Primary threat spotted. Moving into position. The craves the strength and certainty of steel. Cadia marks the boundary where reality and unreality meet. Of course, we didn't expect to die out here. You know, I'm beginning to wish I'd asked for more money. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. D20Radio.com I am here with our special guest, Uncle Adam from Tabletop Minions, and we are going to sit down this evening and talk all about Kill Team Elites. So how are you doing, Uncle Adam? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. I uh, had a live show this this morning and um, then uh, Mother's Day festivities, and uh, now I'm sitting down taking a look, uh, another another look, a long look through the uh, Kill Team Elites book. We've only had this announcement for one day. We've you know, barely had 24 plus hours to really absorb and analyze it. So we're going to not talk nearly as tactical and as in-depth as, you know, we will in the future. But for the first few hours that you've had time, because, you know, I've also had Mother's Day and family and other things, mm-hmm. uh, for the moments you spent with the book, uh, what are your thoughts? Because I know you did a video on that, um, but I'd like to hear, you know, since we have a little bit more time and a little bit more intimacy, just to kind of talk about our hot takes, I guess you could say. Uh, what, are, what were your initial thoughts? Just kind of the first thumb through going, oh my gosh, like what, this is amazing or is this terrible? Or, you know, what do you think? When I first got it, I and I, I got it on Thursday. They, they sent it to me on Thursday and I, I was looking through it and I was, my concern before receiving it was that it was going to be one of those deals where kind of like commanders where the scenarios say you must use commanders you know, and it's like that. And, you know, and I thought that I, I felt to, to a degree, I'm like, this is going to make it a little bit harder sometimes maybe to play with certain people. But as I started going through and specifically looking at the scenarios, I noticed that it doesn't say that anywhere. When you look at the scenarios that are in this book, none of them say, and you must take at least one elite or anything like that. They basically have like some points bonuses where you can go up to 125 points or you can do this or you can do that or whatever. But it is, uh, it's really kind of interesting because it, it, it works really well that way to uh, make it so that it's more of an expansion, you know what I mean, and less of a, right. of a new way to play. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that's more modular, in my opinion, as I started to go through it and see that I can just pull out this part and I can just pull out that part. And, and you know, as long as me and my opponent um, agree, we can play it kind of however we want. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting that we've we've heard through the rumor mill on um facebook and social media specifically um mike brandt who's the lead playtester mm-hmm. that this was developed like he didn't spoil anything but when people were talking about nova and trying to find out like how will this impact it because commanders is not forcibly played in anything it's like you said it's just an expansion uh but people want to know are is elites going to be forced on us is elites going to be at nova is elites going to matter in the tournament scene and he said that in nova yes elites will be played so you're, if you're going to play nova you need to get this book you should get mm-hmm. this book anyways it looks yeah. really interesting yeah but um he said because he's one of the head play testers that they had specifically balanced the models and the weapons and the abilities in this book to be playable within the 100 point list on top of 
whatever else you want to do because as a player casually you could play whatever number you want you could play 105 107 120 absolutely so i think the cool thing that we got from him was although this is an expansion it was built in mind with that 100 point list in addition to everything else that's available because i don't think command commanders definitely was not no built with 100 points in mind yeah you don't want to play it that way um and if you look through the commander's book you know like if as you have uh the scenarios all basically say almost all of them say must be played 200 200 points you know and must be played with a commander on each side so you know that kind of makes sense and i get that um but that i was i was kind of refreshed honestly to see that in this book and to see them just basically saying hey you know there's a here's a bunch of different things and not making any i don't want to say draconian but not making any specific remarks saying this is the way that 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 a game of elites needs to be played you're not really playing a game of elites like when you're playing commander you're kind of playing a game of commander you know what i mean it's not something you can yeah. just add on to normal core rules this has a lot of parts in it that you could add into just regular core rules that you wanted to. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing. Talking about the 100-point list, I think it's really telling and sort of interesting. Uh, the the Custodes, they have a special rule that says they can take as few as two models to make up a Battleborn army. And then you can take a shield captain and you can take uh, um, the, the other guy. And they come up to yeah, yeah, the 33 point and the 67 point. Yeah, exactly. So it comes up exactly to 100 points. So, um, yeah. And then that's the um, that's the uh, Alaris custodian who's 67 points and the custodian guards. You could take one of each of them and then boom, you'd be right at 100 points. So, yeah, they're not forcing anything here, which I think is really kind of smart. If they're if people don't want to play with it at all, that's fine. I mean, if you're going to go play at a tournament, that's a different story. But if you're playing at the shop and you don't want to touch it at all, that's fine. But if you want to just use the sub faction rules, you know what I mean? Um, yep. It gives you a lot of extra flavor, which is cool. If you just want to use the um, reserve rules or if you just want to use some of the elites, but not use the sub faction rules, you can totally do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that kind of translates into well it moves us into the next conversation piece that i think is going to be really important to discuss and that is the the community for some odd reason was kind of on the fence about this book like quote unquote like messing up or breaking the game and then when we got all of the embargoes lifted and people started reviewing the book and seeing the points um for some odd reason like a lot of people just thought this is a terrible thing and it's going to ruin the game and why would i play this instead of regular 40k and you addressed that a little bit in your video but i felt we could take a few moments to just kind of talk about that because um personally i play competitively like i play casually and competitively i'm not just like i have to win at all costs sure um but in terms of competitive environments like i don't feel like this is breaking the game whatsoever and especially as a casual player like when you're playing casually you generally do whatever you want so if there's something in this book you don't like you don't have to do it like if you feel that you must play 100 points casually that is not true you can play at whatever point value you want oh absolutely as long as you and your opponent both agree then yeah it's fine yeah and you could choose to not use the elites book or you increase your points to 150 and now you can afford to bring in some of these terminators or crisis suits or custodas and like uh, like I, I guess people who are afraid that this is ruining the game i don't see how because other than a competitive scene where it could add some things that are quote unquote like broken or op anything that's not competitive like this is just for fun and it's not even 
uh, forced on you. It's completely optional. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, it's it's not a different type of game, in my opinion. Like like commanders is kind of a different type of game. If you're going to play a commander scenario, you it, it it says in the in the in pretty much all of the rules, uh, you know, that you must take a commander, and that makes sense because that's why you're playing that style of game. I feel. Like I said in the video that I did uh, that was up on Saturday, I feel as if the elite's name on this book is almost a bit of a misnomer because the book is more about than just using the elite units. You know what I mean? Because first of all, a lot of these new units in here are just expansions to commander. You know, like if you look at the 11 new units that they put into the Space Marines, six of them are commanders. So, you know, um, and they're mostly from the Shadow Spear box, but you can, <laughs> you know, which is fine. I was really glad. I mean, well, I got to be honest. I do. I did wish that they were going to release a PDF of, um, you know, like kill team rules for some of the units in Shadow Spear, kind of like they did with um, Blackstone. Blackstone Fortress and stuff like that. Yeah. I was kind of hoping they were going to have like some special Phobos group or something like that. Kind of like almost like with the Servants of the Abyss where they're chaos, but you can't play them in a chaos list. Um, yeah. I thought maybe they were going to do that. But instead what they just did is they said, look, you can add these guys in with the elites thing. And, but a lot of them are commanders because they're pretty powerful. You know, like a librarian is not an elite. You know what I mean? Librarians are tough. Right. So they've got to be a commander. I get that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, again, like I said, you could just decide, you know, maybe you don't have a uh, shadow spear. You don't have any elite models anywhere in your collection. You went and you picked up uh, the, f I think the first strike, uh, set for like 40 bucks and you got some primaris guys and some death guard guys that's all the models you have in the world because you've just gotten into the game um and you've been playing the core rules with those two you know groups and having a good time well now you can pick up this book and get a bunch of new rules not have to buy any new models if you don't want to um you know i i don't i don't see it as being a problem i think that sometimes people like to just i don't want to say people like to overreact but i think that sometimes overreactions can bring more uh traffic let's say in certain situations to oh, you know yeah. websites or social media things or things like that and again you know if if a company releases something to add on to a game um a, a tabletop game i can just decide not to use it you know if 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 it's a if it's a computer game and we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording if it's a computer game and they change something fundamental to the game <laughs> I want to keep playing that game. I've got to play it the way that they want me to play it now because I don't really have a lot of a choice. But in this, uh, you know, like I've said, I don't know how many times in the channel before, nobody's coming to your house and ripping up your old stuff. And this is, again, an <laughs> add-on. You know what I mean? This is an add-on. I can add see Games Workshop doing that. Like, they hire people like, hello, we need to tear up your core rulebook, sir. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Wait, what? We, are, we need to staple you, these two together so that we, we make sure you always play them together because yeah, you know, so I, I here's some contrast paint for your time, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. It's not a terrible deal really, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it, it's been interesting. I think it's, it's interesting to see some of the response and it's, I've not seen honestly a ton of it. I have seen a little bit, but um, I, I think that it's just people are afraid of change. Um, and especially it's weird when it's changed that they don't have to actually, you know, they don't have to actually change. Again, if yeah. you're a, if you're a tournament player, then you will probably see this affect your tournament play at some of the big conventions. You've def you'll definitely see it at Nova. It's already been reported, correct? Yes. Yeah. So you know, uh, unless something crazy happens, they've sure. made it very clear. It's a hundred points, 
and this book is allowed, which there's no reason you wouldn't because there's some really great stuff in here. Even even if you don't like use the models, like the new chapter tactics and steps, like all the little bonuses you get are still really thematic. Oh, yeah, cool. no, you'd be you'd be silly not to pick a uh, a sub faction. You know what I oh, mean? Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. In a hundred points, you may still be hard pressed to bring in an elite. Like you may want to stick with uh, boys before toys. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. having yeah. the higher model count may still help you, especially at a hundred points. And I'm again no tactician here. I'm not. I'm not a competitive player. But just for me, if I was gonna play, well, when soon when I will play um, elites, it will probably be 125. Although I do wanna, I am. Uh, I did pick up a box of the custodes, and I am building a, a three man <laughs> set of the 33 point guys, and I just want to take those in a hundred point versus a friend in a hundred point and. You know, or or actually, I've got another friend who already has custodians, so maybe he'll just bring his, and I'll put my guard up against him and see what like fourteen models versus three does, and how that works out. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to doing that, and I like the fact that I can you know pull that out. Um, I don't know if those particular like that's the basically the new force that's been released in this. I don't know that they're going to be OP. We, you and I again, we're talking a little bit about their stats. Um, but I don't know. It'll be, I'm sure that they've been play tested. I mean, Mike is oh, yeah. Mike Brandt is a, is a smart guy, and um, and also very. He's got a competitive mindset. Like he's a he's a competitive player. So um, I know that uh, it it would be very strange for them to make these these guys super overpowered and then easily able to stomp over every competition and then you know kind of break the meta. So I'm not really super concerned about that. Now, Lord knows, in the past, GW has had problems with competitive. Here and there, but I feel as if it's been a little better. Again, oh, oh, yeah. I can't, oh. I can't really say because I don't play in the competitive scene. But it seems like I hear slightly less complaining. Let's just say that. I mean, like in Eighth Edition, there was the whole Castilian problem, but we're not, we're not getting into the competition part. Sure. Um, the one thing I did like about this, and which is funny because this is a big complaint or gripe about. You know, the game people were saying, like, is Kill Team now going to be three? Uh, what was it? Oh, they're like, is it three Terminators versus three Terminators? And uh, that was actually something me and my friends enjoy doing for fun mm-hmm. is building just big models and fielding a, just a few of them and smashing them together. And you play maybe a 15 minute game of Kill Team, but it's really fun. It's real bloody. And now we actually have like, full-blown terminator models we can use instead of just kidding out a space marine oh absolutely yeah i I thought for a casual perspective like that would be super fun where now like you can run a three terminator list and you put a bunch of stuff on them and then you just run up the field and punch each other in the face well and that's the thing is that like after you know the the i don't want to say the shine came off of kill team but after it had been out for a while I started getting messages from from viewers and things like that saying, "Hey, when do you think they're going to put vehicles into Kill Team?" And I was like, "That's that's <laughs> oh. what that that game is called 40K. That's actually a game oh, you can play now uh, where you can put vehicles <laughs> in there and all kinds of cool stuff." Um, yeah. And and I don't think they want to go that direction obviously, but I do mm-hmm. like the yeah. ability to you as a player be able to now kind of spread your wings a little bit and be able to add in some slightly tougher folks. I mean, Com- Commander also had that ability obviously. But it was like, it was kind of like going from like zero to 60, you know? Yeah. And and now yeah. this is kind of like that sort of middle ground, which I really like. I, I honestly, in the very, very, very few games of Commander I've played, um, 
I think I would be more likely to play elites than or play games with elites in them versus playing a full blown commander game. But I think that there's also a possibility um, that this elites thing will cause me to then eventually start looking a little bit more closely at commanders because it's almost like baby steps at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. What really makes me interested in this book is, um, and I'm really surprised a lot of people haven't been talking about this is this kind of helps bridge the gap between the casual and the competitive because with commanders that in my opinion commanders was like pure casual like i had never played a game with the intent of like min maxing trying to win with you know like picking like some some of the commanders are just insanely undercosted or overpowered mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like i can't take this seriously oh yeah but i can have fun with exactly it, for sure it's definitely a more narrative kind of game right and then after seeing this book in the last 24 hours it's like i feel that people who are new to the game and people who are experienced in the game can pull something from this very comfortably. So, for example, you know, if you when we when we didn't have elites, all space marines were space marines, like they were just vanilla marines. Yep. You have no chapter, you have no identity, you are generic space marine Bob, mm-hmm. and that to me is boring because I like th- I like the the thrill of being my chapter and the story and the narrative and having that, you know, that space wolf blood in you, but you couldn't do that because it didn't exist. Now you absolutely can. You can go ahead and buy a pack of space Marines and kick them out of space wolves. And you now have space wolves that do something different from every other chapter because they're space wolves. And that's awesome. It, you, you get, a little bit of a difference. You know what I mean? Like I, cause I had, somebody- yeah, it's not like mechanically, it's not nearly as like strong, but at least thematically, like you can finally be, you can at least be different than every other space Marine player. Like if you and yeah. I were, if you were playing uh, black Templars and I was playing Sp- uh, space wolves, we would be playing the same, nearly the same models against each other. But now at mm-hmm. least, you know, I've got one difference or ability and you've got a different ability. And so that we're, we're, we're tweaking it some, but like, one of us is not running, you know, like uh, Emperor's Champion and and one of us is not running like Wolfen or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's not. Yeah. yeah. But again, this whole game, Kill Team is designed to be skirmish. It's designed to be easier to get into. Like if you want to run Wolfen and that kind of stuff, it sounds like you want to run 40K. Um, and again, like I don't know that the full blown game of 40k lends itself particularly well to skirmish. Like if if you had no. to buy a, a codex, a full blown codex for every different possible thing out there, just so you could play kill team, you know what I mean? The fact that everything yeah. is in the book and then you're ready to go, I think is really one of the benefits. But then people look at it and go, yeah, but I want this extra detail and that added detail, and I want these different models and these different units and stuff. And there has to be that sort of like point at which you go, all right, I, I understand why we're doing it this way and not that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's kind of the thing I'm, I'm excited about is a lot of people like to do campaigns. They like to play the narrative missions. Mm-hmm. And although, like you were saying, our, our models inherently have the same stats and the same weapons, you can really, it's almost like role playing. You can really get into your backstory and your character development. And as you play, you know, maybe a, a month or a month and a half long campaign, like just because your paint scheme is different and you have a chapter tactic that adds 
so much more mm-hmm. to the experience overall than just yeah, here's my blue guys, here's your blue guys. Cool. Right, exactly. I mean, we were I just started a campaign with a friend of mine recently and um like I was like used to sometimes playing campaigns that went a bit quicker, but I think this one with uh this friend is probably going to go a little bit longer just because we're playing a little bit more evenly matched and so our resources are not draining as quickly. So neither of us is going to become a guerrilla force, you know, real quickly. Right. It's going to take probably at least five, six, seven games, maybe until we kind of come to the conclusion, which I like, I like a lot. Um, uh, in some situations we can maybe hopefully like on a Saturday play two games, but a lot of times, like if we're playing on a weeknight, we get, we, you know, we get one game in, we kind of have fun at the shop and all that kind of stuff. And then we go. Um, uh, but the, the one downside, at least that I was thinking about just recently is if I want to do some campaign stuff, when I finally start doing some battle reports on the channel is that the campaign's not going to be like two and done or three and done. These are going to be potentially a good deal longer. So um, I've got to try to figure out how I want to handle that. Maybe potentially <laughs> change just the, the the campaign rules so it's not, you know, those eight points of resources, you know, maybe you can, maybe I can tweak it a little bit so it does go a little bit quicker. Yeah, but I mean, like that that's just kind of the thing about this book. Like initially, I looked at it competitively and how is it going to change the game and what is it going to offer? And then the more I thumb through it, it's like there is so much stuff here for the non-competitive player. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like there's new missions. There's all these sub factions. There's obviously new models, which means new toys to play Certainly, with. Certainly, yeah. Um, there's now like I, I know people. This is a topic people are discussing. Like, um, does your paint scheme force you to play that sub faction? Um, I don't know if it really matters casually. No, absolutely uh, not. I would think competitively it might have a little bit of an impact, but um, talking casually, like the the fact of the matter is like uh, we have someone in our discord who just started getting into orcs and they didn't know what the clans were. And now that those clans exist in the book and the paint schemes are relative, he is like bonkers excited because he's like, oh my gosh, like I can do this and this and this and this and this. And you could didn't matter before. Now it matters. Oh, yeah. And it's like it's really cool from a newer player perspective to see that excitement with I can paint my orcs as uh, freebooters, death skulls, or, or goths, and they get these bonuses. I'm like, man, that's that's awesome. Like that's really cool. Like yeah, <laughs> thank you. Elite yeah, orcs. absolutely. I was when I because I've I've just finally started my I'm building a uh, I'm 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 building two forces at once. Uh, I'm building those new uh, custodes, but I'm also building an orc uh, kill team. And um, the he's not the leader, but he's one of my, he's my orc knob that comes along with the boys. And I've put him into the uh, Necromunda Ambot uh, body. Oh, <laughs> and so and I'm doing a video series, a hobby progress video series about it. I've done two of them so far. The last one will be coming out not tomorrow, but like I don't know, in another another week or so, and um, and it'll be finished. But the thing is, is that when I painted him, I was just like, I think it would look good red. So I painted him red, not thinking at all about, you know, the evil sons or anything along those lines. And then when I started thumbing through the elites book, I was looking at the different cultures uh, for the orcs and I see the evil sons one and I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, I, that would be great. And also I'm like, wait, I already yeah. painted that guy red. I think all the rest of the guys are going to be red too. And then that'll just work out really well. So again, yeah, I don't, I don't like, I, there are probably plenty of people out there. I have seen people at tournaments I remember years ago, back in fifth, I saw a guy who was running an entire chaos army, and he was just running it as, counts as 
uh, Grey Knights back when Grey Knights were like really baller in the competitive scene in fifth <laughs> edition. Like everybody yeah, was running yeah. Grey Knights that year and he was running I, an entire chaos army and they were all counts as Grey Knights. And I'm like, that's like the opposite of Grey Knights, dude. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you know, but you know, whatever. Uh, I, I don't know that you're going to, it, again, it depends on the TO. The TO might say, Hey, if your guys are painted like ultramarines, you better run them as ultramarines. But I don't know that a lot of them are going to go through all that. I, I mean, like if it's a local shop, I'd be very sketched out about a TO who's going to be like, Oh, they're blues. So they, like I have to be ultramarines. Exactly. Like, like what's the buy-in like $5. Right, yeah. Really? We're going to fuss. So like, like once again, if you're playing at Adepticon or Nova, I would probably have a little bit of a, stri- a, a stricter desire for people for their paint schemes to match. But I'm still not going to freak out if it's like, oh, these guys are red, but they're Iron Fists or they're Salamanders. Like, cool, I, that's sure. fine. I don't really mind yeah. personally. As long as you told me up front, that's all I need to know. If, I, if I'm if I'm constantly looking at the models and going, okay, so they should only be able to do this. No, they're not blood angels or iron hand oh that's right i keep forgetting that's yeah, that's me yeah. on you then you know what i mean like that's kind of the way it works yeah but if you're at a local shop and your guys are red and you're like i want them to be salamanders sure okay yeah. that's fine. sounds good they're a new faction called the red salamanders there you go boom <laughs> they they're they're if you come up with some really cool backstory that would be impressive <laughs> well salamanders you know there's a lot of fire and fire is red and there you go done i mean like that that's works. honestly yeah. it's a little weird that the regular <laughs> salamanders are green isn't it you know so, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, so. I mean, like that's that's what's just so ex- like oh, all the sub factions are so exciting because now, like, people who are very deeply invested in their their chapter mm-hmm. or their culture or you know, for example, Harlequin's got all those mask forms and those are sweet. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to see people start to paint and play and follow those specific paths because the book gave us the option. Um, but my favorite thing about Adepticon, and it's probably going to become something even more popular now at Nova, was just talking about the kill team itself, like how, why you picked it, why you painted it, why you're doing what you're doing. And now that we have all these stuff actions, like people are going to gravitate towards those and it's going to create more of a talking point, more of an investment in your army because it's more customized to you. Well, and yeah, and and that's the thing is that like so I was, I even though I'm not a competitive player, um, uh, I was hanging around the kill team tournaments quite a bit at Adepticon this year because um, my day job, uh, Game Four, we uh, made tournament software which we used at Adepticon this year for the kill team tournament specifically. It was kind of a, a trial run, and um, it worked really well, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So, but you know, we were there. There are five separate tournaments for Kill Team uh, uh, between Friday and Saturday. There were two on Friday, two on Saturday, two, and one on Sunday. Um, and the thing that was really cool was that everybody had like what I saw to be pretty well done and well thought out, you know, um, forces. There was uh, a lot of different people there who had like even display boards and stuff, you know. And I really like to see that hobby stuff in that competitive space. Um, there was a, a woman that had, um, I think she had thousand sons that she was running, but she had them in a book. Like she made this book 
What? Yeah, it was like a book that you opened up and then when you open it up, it was like a little room inside there and there was like, and that's where the models were. I think they were magnetized down and then um, oh, it was awesome. very, very well done. She was, yeah, it was really cool. So there was a lot of, I thought, really interesting stuff going on there, which I think when you, and I've said this a ton of times before as well, when you're working with six, seven, eight, nine models, you can spend a lot more time if you want to, um, you know, really kind of investing in. Uh, time and, and thought, you know, into what you're going to do with them, but yet still play competitively. Um, whereas when you are cranking out another army for a competitive season and you've got to get, you know, 300 orcs painted or, you know, 200 guardsmen or 80, you know, space Marine primaris or whatever. I mean, there's that, that can take a ton of time and can really wear on you. And you don't think a ton about the specific people, you know what I mean? The specific, the models. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. I completely understand because that's one of the I think the best selling points for kill team is you can buy a box for a wide majority of armies <laughs> and you can start playing immediately. Yeah, no, I, I I mean, I made a video a little after kill team came out about how, you know, different ways that basically with 50 bucks, you can build um, a kill team army. And I had plenty of people actually in the comments afterwards, like, oh, well, you forgot this way and you forgot this way and you forgot that way. And so, yeah, there was more there than I had even picked up in my initial pass. Um, and so I think that that's that to me, that's one of the big things for me personally, though, I've been invested in the game for a long time and I've been playing it a lot. The benefit to me in that situation is because I'm not a beginner, then what I can do is I can keep building different kill teams. So instead of, you know what I mean? Like I can hop around like a buffet. I've got, let's see now I've got, um, a Primaris one. I've got chaos. I've got Imperial guard. I've got, uh, Death Watch, I've got Death Guard, I've got Necrons, so that's six. Those are all finished, painted, done. Um, I'm adding Tau, I'm adding Tyranids. Those are both, well, Tyranids are built and primed. Tau are built, uh, Adeptus Mechanicus are built, and now I'm adding Custodes and Orcs. So, like, just the ability to kind of hop in and do this and then hop out and now be able to go back and say, well, now I'm going to add these two, um, you know, I've already built a bunch of commanders as well. I just haven't painted any of them yet. But now I can also go, I'm going to throw in a couple of little elites into this group as well. Um, to me, that's the big benefit, it, being able to, to buffet style hop around in that. Whereas if I was playing just straight 40K, I would have maybe two armies, you know what I mean? Because it's a lot of work just for a single army. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's way more expensive. You probably Oh, can, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you can probably own most of the kill team armies in the game for the cost of one 40k yeah no, absolutely yeah absolutely I mean, especially like at about if like i said if you're pulling it to around 50 bucks each yeah yeah so uh let's let's move along and have some fun so when you first started going through the book uh what were some of the your favorite things that popped out um well the sub factions was one of them right away because i really saw the benefit to being able to basically for free you know i mean there's no points that are marked to those sub factions you don't have to sit down and say oh okay well this clan culture is this price and this clan culture is that price that they're just basically like pick one, you know, uh, pick one, a sept for your Tau or pick a uh, chapter tactic or whatever. So I started going through and looking at a lot of those. So my Black Templars, which are my Primaris army right now, um, when I looked at the, at the Black Templars one, it basically is you can reroll charge rolls for models in your kill team. And I thought to myself, well, that's kind of a, a little bit of a bummer. I'm not going to lie because my Black Templars are frankly kind of designed to be a shooty army, you know, it's, there's not a lot of hand to hand in there. There's a little bit, but not much. Yeah. It, well, it was, 
I wanted to paint them that way because I always liked them that way. And I did not see super benefit to getting into close combat when I first kind of built them. But now as I've played more, I, I, I can start to see it, especially with using the reavers and the grapples so you can get up on stuff and all that kind of jazz. So um, I think I'm going to add a couple more Black Templars to that group. I'm going to um, probably, and they're probably going to be reavers so that they can get into close combat a little bit better. But um, that particular uh, that particular chapter tactic doesn't necessarily really get me super excited. But um, some of the other ones, like the Ultramarines one is not bad. Um, what was the other one? Dark Angels I kind of like too. Um, if they, you basically, if the Dark Angels just sit there and don't move too much, then they get to reroll hit rolls uh, for one in shooting attacks made by models in your kill team, uh, including when firing on Overwatch, which is also kind of nice. Um, in addition, you can reroll the dice to determine whether or not your kill team is broken in the morale phase. So that's also kind of nice. Um, so yeah, I don't know that I'm going to necessarily sit down and paint some dark angels, but uh, you never know. I mean, it's one of those kind of situations. Uh, but the, definitely the orc one, the orc culture that I'm really excited about is the, where is it? Evil Sons. Add one to the move characteristic of models in your kill team. Add one to advance and charge rolls made for them. In addition, these models do not suffer the penalty to their hit rolls for shooting assault weapons during a battle round in which they advanced. So now you get to advance as orcs and not get a minus one to your already pretty paltry, uh, you know, ballistic skill. <laughs> um, so that's sort of a nice thing too. Plus you get to move a little bit faster and farther. Um, so that I like a lot too. Beyond that, I really like seeing finally that the um, Shadow Spear stuff actually was going to be in Kill Team. That was cool. And then, like I said, the Custodes, I, I, I always thought they were very cool looking models, but I was like, I'm never going to build an entire unit of those or an, an army or anything like that. But then when I saw I can get like three, you know, into a hundred points and go that direction. <laughs> now, a friend of mine said to me, he's like, well, why the heck, why would there be a kill team of custodes? Like they aren't supposed to leave, you know, Holy Terra. They're the, the emperor's bodyguards. It doesn't make any sense. But when you start reading some of the fluff, there are groups of them that will leave the planet to go and like put down like plots and things like that. And I think it might even be in this book in the fluff section for it. Um, or maybe I was thinking of something else, but there are definitely, Oh, I know where it was. I was looking on, um, uh, 1D4chan actually at the information about custodes and there are different color schemes and one of the color schemes is like a darker color scheme like it's mostly black with gold trim and they are designed to be to leave earth and to go and to you know put down uh, stuff and so I'm like yeah that's kind of cool I like that idea plus I was interested in trying to paint them black as well uh, as opposed to being just straight you know going gold on them so for me, that kind of stuff is the stuff that I really thought. I mean, and the new missions are also cool. Um, I always like to have more missions, um, but mainly it was the sub factions and, like I said, the uh, Shadow Spear stuff and the Custodes were the the three big kind of like right off the bat. These are things that I really like about what's coming out. Yeah, and let's let's talk a little bit about those Custodes because, uh, yeah. <laughs> 67 points for one model is a lot it is, of points. It is, yeah. <laughs> we, we all speculated, like, how high will they go? And most people were like, maybe like 40s. Mm -hmm. And then we got this book, and we all saw the Custodian Guard, and they're like, 
okay, 33, that's fine. And then we saw the, what is it, Alaris Custodian? It's like 60, 67, what the heck? Oh, yeah, what? oh, absolutely. Um, the uh, Tyrant Guard, for those guys are Tyrant Guard. Yeah, Tyrant Guard 32 for uh, the, the Tyranids. And they're not, um, what do you call it? They're not uh, commanders. And the Hive Guard are 35. And again, also still not commanders. So yeah, like, you know, a bunch of models did get decent amount of points. And I thought that that was very interesting. You can take a standard uh, XV-8 crisis battle suit and it's not a commander. You know what I mean? I'm really excited about that. They're so expensive. Yeah, they're again, 32 or 33 points. So yeah. I really wish they would have been like mid-20s and then they made like they made you take at least two weapons or upgrades. And those were like, those will get you into the mid thirties. But now like you're going to be pushing forties. It's like, no, <laughs> is this actually yeah. viable? Well, that's the thing that's interesting too, with the custodians is that basically, yeah, those, those, those normal guardians are 33 points, but their weapons don't cost anything. So they're 33 points. Like there's no 33 points plus, you know, like you get with some of the other models. Yeah. They're basically either you take the spear or you take the the sword and the shield. Those are your two options and they don't cost anything extra, which is nice because, yeah, that would have really put them to the point where they weren't even viable in a standard game very easily. I mean, because that's the thing is if you only take two, then you're at 66 points. <laughs> and, yeah, you can take two legally because of the special rule that they have. But who wants to play a 66-point game? You know what I mean? So the fact that you can take three of them – and then you have 99 points that you're, you're right on. And that's kind of cool. So that's that's why I'm building them like that. I mean, like you're you're building them. I'm probably going to get them later on. But like for mm-hmm. fun, because I, I don't I don't think anyone thinks they're competitive. We that's could be possible, proven wrong. Yeah, and, uh, you know, some some amazing wonder player goes, oh, yeah, these guys are going to win everything. But um, how do you think they're going to fare for fun? Because like the more I think about it, like there's seven wounds. Uh, no, they're, they're they hit on two. Well, if you bring a custodian guard and a Laris custodian, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah it's yeah. four on the it's four on the Laris and three right. on the custodian. But if you bring three of just the regular custodians, then you're at uh, yeah nine. So that's not bad either. Um. So you have you have enough wounds to not just get obliterated because of course everyone instantly started saying, oh, you know, plasma guard mm-hmm. spam, haha. Well, it's still seven or nine wounds you have right. to shoot off and now. Like it's not just your base- three you know, two up save, you're a four up for your invulnerable, you're three up if you decided to go toughness with the, five. right, your toughness five, you're three up if you decided to go with the storm shield. So yeah, even with against plasma spam, I don't think they're going to have too big of a trouble. I mean, I could see them and they, they move pretty decent. They still move six, like as a person who frequently plays Necrons and gets to hump around at five, you know, six is nice. So, um, <laughs> and now with the orcs, being able to, if I go evil suns, being able to move, I think seven, that'll be great. You know, I mean, but um, it's going to be funny to watch just orcs moving faster because yeah, exactly, read. exactly. But I, I think it's going to be interesting, like for fun wise, I think it's going to be a blast. I'm really looking forward to trying them out and uh, and seeing what they do. I mean, obviously, there's the whole the whole concept of way to fire, you know, and, and all that. And I get that. But I think that there's a good possibility as well that just them kind of monstering through and just messing people up, you know, you're going to want to probably keep. And if you're running guard, you're going to want to keep them up high. <laughs> you know what I mean? So at least now they are a little bit harder <laughs> to charge because there's probably a good six inches in height, you know, if you're depending on what kind of terrain you're playing on. But yeah, I can see that being interesting. I think if you're playing with a decent amount of terrain, I think these guys, especially with the sword and board, can really be a threat because they can kind of hide. I mean, they're big models, but they can kind of at least hide a bit and at least get cover. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was also looking at the Forge Worlds um, for the Adeptus Mechanicus, 
And I was really kind of interested by, is it the Stygian, Stygius? What's what's the, I can't pronounce it properly. That one is cool because basically if anyone is further away than 12 inches, they automatically act as obscured. Yeah, that's the uh, the Raven Guard. A lot, a lot of no, stuff versus uh, Forge World Dogma, Stygis, uh eight. They have shroud protocols is what they're called. Models in your kill team are considered to be obscured by enemy models that target them if they are more than 12 inches away from those models. So yeah, I think- Yeah, a lot of different sub-factions got- that something ability. like that yeah something okay, like yeah that. yeah which is cool yeah because i mean kill the the uh you know the obs- obscuring in that game if you're playing with a decent amount of terrain it should be almost always it should be almost you know a foregone conclusion unless you're getting charged you know what i mean and right. then you it's only like a, a an overwatch thing at that point but yeah um if when people complain about getting shot off the board and kill team, I think that they're, I feel as if they're not playing with enough terrain. You know what I mean? It's, it's one <laughs> yeah. of those games that needs a lot of terrain, um, at least in my opinion. And that's why I like to play it that way. And I like the three dimensionality of regular, you know, core um, arena is not for me. I see the definite benefit in it for, especially for tournament play because there's no, fighting back and forth. Well, I think I can see that guy. Well, I'm not sure if you can, like there's just either you can sit down with a laser line and go, yep, you can see him. You know, it's very yeah. obvious and it helps to speed up the game. And I get that, but I just love the, the look and the, the, the extra kind of fun of being up high or down low or whatever, that kind of stuff. I, I like arena just for the ability to set it up and break it down super quickly. Sure. Um, no, that's but I, I, would, point too. I would prefer to play on 3d train any given day. It is nice to have rules for two V two on arena. That was a lot of fun. I did enjoy that. Uh, oh but, yeah, no, I can see that too. Definitely. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I think you're right about the, the 3d train and like, if you're getting shot off the board, probably positioning some something's wrong because the game is just not built for that to happen consistently. I think it's it, you know it's like if you've ever played um, Infinity, like oh, if, yeah. oh you know, yeah, you know Infinity needs a lot of terrain because otherwise everyone just will shoot everybody else off the board. That's the way the game <laughs> is designed, um, and and evidently Europeans. I think it's Europeans seem to use less terrain than Americans do. I saw some sort of meme about that someplace. Um, I, I don't really play um, that, but I've got a bunch of friends who play uh, in, in the Infinity, and they talk about like there was just a big uh, an event here in Wisconsin a couple weekends ago called Mission Critical. That was I don't know thirty or forty Infinity players in the kind of a big kind of a narrative tournament sort of a thing and everything, but they like they go really hard on the tables. They really put a lot of terrain in there. And I think it, it really makes a more interesting game that way. It certainly does slow things down a touch, but I think it makes a more tactical game. And again, in kill team, like you've seen it, I'm sure going to shops where you see somebody playing like 40 K and they've got like five pieces of terrain on a four by six table. And you're oh. like, no, you need a little bit more than that. I think honestly, I mean, it's up to you guys. You guys want to play that way. That's great. But if you're having a bad time, you might want to actually sit down and look at how much terrain you have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I feel like terrain amount is a very important thing to consider when you're playing kill team, because if you play with too much, then you don't really shoot anything. And it's not fun. Mm-hmm. If you play with not enough people, usually the alpha strike will succeed because you're shooting. They have no bonus. And then you just blow them off the table or you flesh wound them and they just can't refund you a pain. Like they, they, they're suffering mm-hmm. so 
you, you want a healthy amount of terrain and you want to make sure that you and your opponent are either it's either like fairly placed with arena or you're placing it back and forth not just someone shows up places a bunch of terrain goes okay i'm setting up here and it's like they have the only two-story buildings right, exactly. and they're like that that stuff bothers me when people do that because it's like that's not fun and that's not fair like play play cool like fly casual when, when they say an x-wing like just yeah have, I, you know if, if you're playing for fun don't try and like you know screw someone over just for a win like that's dumb oh absolutely i try to generally um when we're setting up a table i either try to uh put the tall building i either try to put one on both sides or i try to put it in the middle you know what i mean yeah yeah so that it's something that you kind of both have to sort of like fight over or else it's well i've got one and you've got one um i also like to use i have a bunch of um kind of scatter terrain stuff that I like to use too, like barrels and um, sandbags and things like that, that can still give you, again, a lot of, um, you know, being obscured, a lot of cover that can really help you out. Um, so you can still be on the edge of this, you know, upper floor, but still be obscured because you're behind a line of, uh, uh, you know, sandbags or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it just looks cooler too. Well, I mean, there's that as well, but it's also really beneficial in the game. So, yeah, absolutely agree. Um, I know this uh, might sound weird, but did you see anything in the book you weren't super a fan of? Because there's always something you look at and you're like, that's great. And then you look at it and you're like, hmm, I don't know if I like um, that or not. I mean, honestly, I would have liked to have seen a few more match play missions. Like there are four match play missions in the book, but two of them. Let's see here. The first one, Escalating Conflict, each kill team can cost up to 125 points. The second one, Crush Their Champions, each kill team can cost up to 200 points and must include one commander. And then the third one is Objective Ultima, and we go back to each kill team can cost up to 125 points. And then the fourth one is Shifting Priorities, and it is each kill team can cost up to 200 points and may include a commander which i think is an interesting distinction i would have still liked to have seen maybe a couple more than four match play missions but that's you know at this point now well see because that's the thing is that really technically if you don't want to play commanders there's really only two match play um scenarios in here yeah but again you can play some of the older stuff and everything but that's the only thing is i'd really like to see more scenarios um but otherwise i mean like you know the kind of painting and hobby area is quite nice um I am definitely thinking about probably trying to bring some Ogren into my uh, Imperial Guard. I didn't really see... I mean, we did talk a little bit about how we kind of wished that there was something, whether it was sub-factions or something, for like the Gellerpox and the the Star Striders or whatever. And that, you know, for Rogue Trader and also the Crute. It would have been nice to have, you know, throw the Crute a a literal bone. Um, (laughs) Yeah. They, they do seem to like that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's a, it was weird where it's like, hey, you can play Tau and these crude over here. You're like, yeah, Aw. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, and they really like Thousand Suns. They just pretty much put that one like Scarab Occult Terminator. But really, there's not a lot beyond. You know, there's not a lot more to uh, Thousand Suns. You've pretty much got the normal Rubric Marines. You got Zangors and then you've got your Scarab Occult Terminators. I don't know if there's any. Really, other than getting into like you know the big uh, what's his name, not Mortarian. What's the big guy for um, Thousand Suns? Oh, I I know who you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. The big the big uh, Primarch or whatever, basically. Um, you, you know, so yeah, I don't know. I'm glad that they did not put in any uh, vehicles. You know what I mean? Like I've. I've, I've had people say, oh, what are they going to put in vehicles? Like, I I was a little concerned. I'm not going to lie. I kind of thought that maybe they were going to put the motorcycle guy in from uh, Death Watch. Oh, you know what I mean? 
I don't think a motorcycle would ruin the game, but if you have like rhinos and land, oh, yeah. now I have a but problem. But even the motorcycle, I'd be like, I don't know. I mean, the motorcycles, in my opinion, have always been weird in 40K anyway. Like when you yeah. get into hand-to-hand combat yeah. with a motorcycle, how is that working? Exactly? <laughs> well, I mean, they, they just took their hands off the uh, accelerator and they sat they on their punching, I guess. Yeah, yeah. They, they use the motorcycle for obscurity in Melee. I see two guys just drive up next to each other in motorcycles then just have a slap fight, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. They start throwing burritos, Ron Burgundy style. <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, I, yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't really see much in there where I was like, oh, that was a misstep or they shouldn't have done that. Uh, I was, like I said, I've been quite happy with it. Um, I, I, I honestly think I probably like it a little bit better than I like Commander. Um, so I'm glad that, you know, you've got that mixture in there and I'm glad that it expands things. I glad, I'm glad that it's very modular. Like I said, that you can oh. just decide we're just going to use the reserve rules. And nothing else. You know, we're going to play a normal 100-point game, but we want to, like, squeak in these reserve rules that are in the book and use those. Or we just are going to use the sub-factions. Or we're just going to use, you know, whatever. And I think that's very cool. What do you think about those reserve rules? There, there's been a lot of talk about those. Um, I mean, you've got a little bit of that in some of the scout um, phase. If you pick that particular scout uh, tactic, I guess is it called? But it's mainly just kind of like I can move them ahead of time or I can bring them in. I don't know. I've never been a big fan of reserves in regular 40K. Not I'm against it. I've just never seemed to think to do it. Like every once in a great while, not so much in eighth, but back in the day, I would hold my plague marines in reserves so that I could drop them in later in the game potentially to hold an objective and it gave you as the opponent less time to shoot them off the board early um but in kill team i generally feel like not you know you have so few models anyway not having some of them on the board seems like a bad idea to some degree you know what i mean yeah yeah that's fair Uh, the one thing i actually liked about the rule is you finally have a way to deal with your um hide and seek leader where you like make your weak model a leader and you just sit it on a capture point and then that's all Mm -hmm. it does the whole game Mm -hmm. so having a way to actually deal with that is nice and then if you play competitive there are some secondary objectives that want you to be in your opponent's deployment zone and to walk across a board and hope to get that is insanity just because you'll die yeah especially if it's one of those where you're going the long way yeah absolutely but now with reserves it's going to be a lot easier to make those happen which for competitive players i think is going to be much more interesting because you you finally have a tool to get you into the backfield and utilize some of these secondary objectives or to threaten you know something that's just sitting there on a point for the you know like you you put a pox walker on a point can't see it and it's just there for four turns they're like I basically bought this three model, this point model to just sit there. That's it. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So now like, you can actually do something about it. I think sure. Yeah, I could see that. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about it that way. Like I, I am guilty of that myself. I have my my orc list. My <laughs> leader, my leader is a Gretchen. So yep, he's yep. going to sit uh, and, and give me an extra CP every round and, <laughs> and not killed you know what i mean um oh yeah i like, do that too <laughs> yeah i've worked him into the storyline like because you would think originally my plan was that the orc knob was going to be the leader because he's the biggest and all that stuff but then i started looking at him i'm like actually he would do a lot better if he was the combat specialist and i'm like also if i run him as the leader into combat he's going to get killed faster <laughs> if i'm going to lose my cp so i'm like well i should make the the, the gretchen you know it's the, the the leader and then the orc is the combat specialist and i started thinking well why would a gretchen 
why would a Gretchen, like why would uh, an orc knob follow a Gretchen as a leader? Like, why would he do that? And that's when I, when I started building that Ambot from Necromunda, if you look at the model on the back, he's got, you know, like in any kind of factory or industrial type place, they have those big yellow switch boxes mm-hmm. that hang from like the ceiling. They've got like a, a power button and a, yeah. or like an on button and off button. He's got one of those hanging off the back of him on that model. <laughs> so my thought process is that the Gretchen knows where that switch is and can turn him off. And that's why he's the boss because he can turn him off and then he can't do anything. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where that comes from. Um, that being said, yeah, if we're playing with, um, reserves, then somebody can also sort of just pop in and, and cause a mess in the backfield if needs be. But, uh, that just basically changes the way that you need to strategize, I guess, as a player, he, he may need a battle or a, a bodyguard at that point. That Gretchen, you know, so. And that adds into your, you know, your backstory. It adds into your kill team roster. It adds into all these, like all these little factors are being course corrected because this book exists now. And I think that's just what's very, very exciting because aggression that that's great. Like, I love that story so much. It's so orky. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. It, it fits like all of the storylines like, of, of an orc because, yeah. <laughs> I found, and actually I, the, the Gretchen that I'm using for my leader, I found on eBay and it's, I don't remember exactly which kit it's from, but he's got a whole bunch of like wrenches and things like kind of on his belt. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I think I need to tweak his head though, cause he's wearing like, um, almost like a rag around his face, maybe, you know, kind of like to make it yeah. so he doesn't breathe in fumes or something like that, or get too much, you know, dust in his little Gretchen lungs. Um, but yeah, so that, so he looks, he doesn't look like a powerful leader. He just looks like the smartest one of them kind of, because he's got tools. <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of where I'm going with that. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And again, again, I don't play competitively. I just like to have a lot of, a, a good time with it. And for me, a lot of the good time is, thinking about the group ahead of time and building and painting and, and customizing and then, you know, playing out the narrative with friends and, and people at the shop that I like or whatever and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy what this book has got going with it because it's adding more possibilities in that in that arena. Uh, you know, arena is the wrong word there in that, in that realm, um, you know, f- to be able to do that. So, Oh, absolutely. Um, all right. I have one fun last question for you before we wrap mm-hmm. up this. Uh, what do you think about the new color paint? The the contrast paint, the games workshop showed off over the weekend. Yeah. I've been, I've been reading a little bit here and there about it. I know there are some people who were there at Warhammer Fest who've already made a couple of YouTube videos about it, kind of talking about their experiences with it. I think that anything that GW can do to make it so that people will get less gray plastic, uh, I, I, I'm I'm all I'm all for. Um, again, people will be. I've already heard some people going, "Well, this is like an easy button for painting." Well, then don't use it if you don't want to. You know what I mean? Like if you feel that your worth is whether or not you painted. Like there are people that are still like, "Well, I won't use an airbrush because it's cheating," and I'm like, "I don't know what you're even saying. Why are you saying this?" What? Oh, yeah. I've heard people say before that they think that the airbrushing is cheating. I made a video about is airbrushing cheating? And my answer was uh, no, it's not. I mean, that would be like saying using brushes is cheating. You should just be using a stick. You know what I mean? Like our ancestors did. You know, where'd you get all these fancy bristles from? You know, I mean, it's just it's ridiculous in my opinion. So the the concept behind them making a new paint um if you don't like the look of it, then yeah, absolutely don't use it. And it's also, I don't think it's going to work on every different type of, you know, model. Like one of the really good examples that they showed was a bloodthirster and it looked great on the bloodthirster. I mean, it's not 
obviously golden demon winning, but for something that took a really short amount of time to crank out that how much time you spent versus how it looks is great. But like bloodthirsters are basically red. So it's kind of low hanging (laughs) fruit. You know what I mean? Like it's not that hard. You could also do that with just some fancy rattle cans, honestly. Um, you could, you know, you could just go with like, you go to the auto parts store and you get yourself a, like a dark red oxide auto primer. And then you, um, you know, dust it from above with a brighter red can and then throw a quick wash on there, paint the details and you're done. But if this is to some degree, a marketing move, um, where they're saying, look, Hey, you, those of you who've got a lot of gray plastic, this can help you out to get done quicker. Um, you know, then I'm all for it. And if it does actually work as well as it's, as they say it does, then that's great too, because it'll also make just more painted models on the, on the, on the tabletop. It looks as if the primer is a bit of, I don't want to say a wild card. Like they say, oh, you need to use this primer and then you can use this stuff. And what that leads me to believe is that there's either a specific finish to the primer that makes, that helps to make the contrast paint do its job better or, and this is less likely, potentially some sort of chemical reaction where like the primer, like like if you used a normal primer and then tried to use the contrast paint, it wouldn't work properly. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't do the yeah, special separation yeah. that it's supposed to do to make the shadows and the highlights. But if it could just potentially, honestly, just be uh, a satin primer or maybe even a gloss primer so that the, the stuff spreads properly when you just slop it on there. Um, and if that's the case, you could also just fake it with just regular primer and then throwing up some, some varnish on it and then throwing the uh, contrast paint on there. But I'm hoping to get my hands on some, um, uh, hopefully potentially maybe before they release it so I can run some kind of, you know, non-scientific tests and mess around with it and stuff <laughs> like that, see, see how it works. But again, like I said, if it's something that's going to help people, uh, get stuff painted faster. I mean, I didn't think that the, the things that they showed looked too bad, honestly. And the people that I've seen that have talked about their experiences with it at Warhammer Fest so far have been like, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of legit. I mean, it's, it's not going to turn you, like I said, into an amazing painter, but it's probably going to do better than if you had to sit down and do it a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to definitely buy some and give it a shot. Like clearly their color palette range was on the space Marines, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for something a little bit more complex, cause I, I have friends who we played some Warhammer the other day and we were talking about elites and we were talking about that. And they were saying, you know, I, I do a lot of, um, small detail work. So like for Harlequins probably wouldn't work super well cause oh, we're sure. doing all of these different like patterns and things, but like for something that's a very generic color that you work off of that. So like a death guard, you would just drop the green on it mm-hmm. and then you could do some layering and mm-hmm. your edge highlighting and you're good because a big majority of that model is that one color. Yep. So uh, I guess it just depends on your specific army and what colors you're using and how many, but also are- skeletons, um, silk, oh, yeah. you know, um, to some degree, if you, want to stay a little bit more monocolor, uh, your Seraphon, you know, lizard folks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. I could easily see it being something that you lay down for your Tyranids to do like that kind of maybe bone color. And then you paint the hard shell kind of carapace parts with a layer paint and, and make it yeah. sort of yeah. contrasting color, but you're getting ahead quicker that way. I'm, I'm glad my concern was, is they were going to release a product much like the army painters, uh, dips, 
you know, like the, like the, those, those kind of like the strong tone dip and all that yeah, the quick stuff. wash. Yeah. The yeah. quick wash. Like I was concerned they were going to do that. And I was like, and, and not that there's anything wrong with it. I just don't know that, that that's a, it would, I would have felt a little weird if all of a sudden they kind of like tried to do something that was very much like, you know, like, cause that's kind of army painters thing. You know what I mean? Um, and the fact that it was a different product than that considerably, at least for me, I was like, oh, that's not what I thought it was going to be. That's interesting. That's, that's kind of cool. So, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm very interested to get my hands on some. So, uh, I'm looking, looking forward to, to trying that out. There was a lot of stuff that came out of, um, obviously Warhammer Fest today, but there was not a ton, like other than the arenas or the, I'm sorry, the uh, elite stuff. Um, there wasn't a ton else. I don't think that had anything to do with really the kill team. Was there? No, there, there wasn't. I mean, paints make a lot of sense for kill team because it'll help more people get their kill teams painted faster and then hopefully, you know, make more kill teams, which is also cool. Yeah. Like for, for orcs, that's going to be great because everything starts with a green skin. So if you get that dark green orc color shade, what, what are they calling it? Um, contrast, mm-hmm. you can prime it, green it, and then you just do all the work on, you know, your guns and your, your leather and your boots and like all your non green stuff. So yeah. And like that just saves a buttload of time. Yeah. I mean, the colored primers can also do that. You know, I mean, it's like, this is nothing in my opinion, that's super uh, groundbreaking. The fact that it is something that you can do without having to get an airbrush or a rattle can involved. I mean, obviously you need to do the primering, but you know, that's sort of nice. And the fact that it's one color primer, but then you can use all these different colors with it that's sort of also nice depending if you're doing a lot of different types of models. So if you're doing again, multiple types of kill teams, you know, you're doing orcs, you're doing, um, Eldar, you're doing, you know, Imperial guard. I could easily see doing Imperial guard and like, Oh yeah. A, a bone color for all the cloth parts and then going through and doing the, the painting of the armory, the armored parts, the, you know, the more greenish, if you're going like a Cadian scheme and being able to do it that way, it would make a lot of sense. Yeah. I wonder how this looks on vehicles. Cause everything they showcased was like a smallish model. And I'm, I'm sure on bigger models it's probably fine. Cause it's the same premise. Like you have a, you know, demon Lord, demon Prince, it's probably going to be mostly red. So, you know, you just apply it, but like, I'd Honestly, like to see vehicles. Yeah. I don't know how well it might work on vehicles because I think big flat areas may be a little troublesome to it. Right. Right. That's what, you know what I, I mean? thought. Yeah. I'm also interested not- to see what the final, what do you call it? The final finish is like, is it glossy when you're done? Is oh, it, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's a good question. I mean, like I'm, I'm never opposed to trying something. I know some people are like, oh, this is terrible. And some people are like, this is the best. And you know, the same old, same old internet. It's 50, 50, but, well, yeah, but it I, looked, it looked cool. I thought it looked great. Yeah. No, I thought I would definitely give it a try and see what it looks like. I mean, it's, uh, you know, talking about hobby specifically and how to get your stuff painted quickly. This is right up my alley. So for me to, <laughs> to look at it, I would obviously want to try to learn about it as much as possible because I think if it's a, if it's a good answer, then I would definitely see, you know, um, that this is the thing that I would start to, this is one of the things I would talk about, but I also already talk about, you know, the normal standard washes. I talk about using colored primers. I talk about airbrush. Um, I'm going to be teaching two classes at Nova this year about cutting corners in your paint so that you can get stuff on the table faster. Do you have, are there still tickets available for that? I have no idea, honestly, <laughs> that, that I have oh. not looked at, but yeah, there's, I'm teaching two classes. I'm teaching one class at Nova about YouTube and um, it's kind of, both of my normal classes squished into one. So it's going to be talking about the technical stuff and also the, um, what do you call it? The, uh, the, the branding and marketing and content mm-hmm. and stuff. And then the other two classes I'm teaching are both going to be classes about 
cutting corners, like how to get things painted faster and to, you know, the, the cutting corners thing sounds bad. People go, oh, well, you should never cut corners. But it, honestly, it does, especially when you're talking about, um, I'm not a pro painter. I'm not in it for the display paint. I'm in it because I want to have models that are not gray on the, on the tabletop. Um, I, I have a lot of different ways to make them go quicker. So save, save yourself the time, folks. Exactly. Exactly. No, I'd like to, I'm, I'm probably going to go get a ticket because I'd love to sit in on that class. Oh, sure. Just listen. Yeah. Well, uh, it's been an excellent time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for your all of your information and knowledge. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug before we wrap this up? Well, thanks for having me. Um, I Basically, I mean, my uh, YouTube channel is called Tabletop Minions. It's on, um, strangely enough, on YouTube. And it is, <laughs> um, I like to talk about explaining, I like to try to talk to about how to get people into the hobby. That's really my main focus is how to get people into the wargaming hobby uh, both the playing and the and the actual painting and building and all that stuff, because I believe personally that it is a really good hobby to have, especially the actual painting and building portion, because I think that there's a definite stress relieving kind of almost in some situations meditative sort of thing that goes on when you sit there in your hobby space and and just focus, maybe listen to a podcast or an audiobook while you're doing it or a YouTube channel or whatever. Um, I think that more people need something like that in their lives to, to kind of help them out uh, stress wise. Um, and then my day job is, uh, a part of it is, uh, something called game four, which is, uh, I am game com. game four spelled G A M E F O R. And it is an app for connecting tabletop gamers. It's another thing that I'm very interested in finding people who live near each other, who do not know that they tabletop game, uh, and getting them together. And it's not just for wargaming; It's for board games, RPGs, collectible card games, and war games as well. Nice. Very, very nice. All right. One last final question before we get on out of here. Can you give us a hint on your next video? A little preview. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> the the curveball of the evening. Well, yeah. The problem is, is that like in some situations, I honestly don't know. Some days I don't know until I wake up Thursday morning, like what my video oh. is going to be about. Um, I have a huge list of um, potential topics in my phone, like anytime, because my memory is so terrible. As soon as I even have a glimmer of a thought about an idea of what a video is going to be about, I immediately put it in my phone because otherwise I will forget it. Uh, I'm just thumbing <laughs> through that real quick here to see. I do have one more video with Sam that's going to be coming out. We just did a series of three different videos. Well, we filmed a series of three different videos on one day. Two of them have come out so far. There was the one with the snow basing and all that stuff. And then the one just recently this past Friday was the anti-Zenithal video. He's not against the concept of Zenithal, but it's a different, it's a different type of Zenithal, which actually works quite well. Um, I I do want to get a little bit more like very frequently. I do talk about more motivational type stuff um, and those videos do quite well. But I also want to kind of get back into a little bit of like, hey, this is how you do this thing. Um, I do. I did a video just recently about um, dry brushing and I. Mm -hmm. kind of want I'm working on a concept for another dry brushing video that is explaining how to use a certain type of dry brush that you can get at Walmart um that are cheap and awesome and uh and work really really well and um and did I mention that they're also cheap so uh yeah that, that's that's probably I don't know that that's necessarily this Friday's but uh it is definitely coming up soon all right well that is very exciting can't wait to see what what comes out so anyways once again big thank you to uh, Uncle Adam for coming on the show check out Tabletop Minions on YouTube.com and uh, it has been a pleasure and an honor thank you so much for coming on well, again thanks for having me absolutely it's a good time 